Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with pastor of Reunion Church in Dallas, Texas, Richard Ellis. He'll take the next few minutes to encourage us with Christmas hope and to challenge us to learn more and grow closer to God's greatest gift, His Son, our Savior, Jesus. It's the 25 Talks of Christmas, a different holiday-themed talk each and every day, all month long. Of course, you can always listen to, download, and share this or any talk anytime from the 25 Talks of Christmas Advent Calendar at richardellistalks.com. So let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, It's a Wrap. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. So let's start with where it all went wrong. And this is where a lot of people can agree. You say, well, maybe some people say, well, I don't believe the whole Jesus thing, all that. That's like, well, what most people, if you're dealing with the God of Abraham, what you can agree with is that Genesis is the deal. And what screwed everything up was man had everything they needed, and man and woman had everything they needed, and the enemy comes, tempts them, they succumb to the temptation, and sin enters everything, and we have sickness, death, sorrow. It's even the creation itself, the Bible says, groans and travails waiting to be delivered. So when, when Adam and Eve come under sin, the curse of sin, then something very interesting happens in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. The eyes, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So they tried to cover themselves up. Because, and it's, we talked about this the other day, you know, who's there to hide from? There's only one man, one woman, animals, and God. But they knew they were naked, they were ashamed. And if you keep reading this, how does God solve this problem? He has a conversation with them. They realize what they've done. Then he makes coverings for them. And animals have to die. Skins are used. And he makes clothes for them. The first clothes that were made shoddily were Adam and Eve. And then God made something that could wrap them up, literally, and cover their nakedness. So this has been an issue from the very beginning, trying to cover. And what people do when they sin, the three things that happen in Genesis at least, is they would blame someone else, hide and cover, you know, it's somebody else's fault. These same things have been going on for millennia. It's what we do. And the only way to remedy this is to go to God for the remedy, okay? Now, I don't usually do this, but I am going to read you a section of an article I found. And Tiffany sang a song the other day that was, and I may quote you some verses out of this as well, this is a Christian perspective site, and I want you just to listen, because I could try to explain it, but I think this is way more thorough and helpful. This is one of the most fascinating things that you will ever hear about the Christmas story, and it will help everything that happened before and that night and what was going on make sense. And I'm just going to jump in in this article, so listen. Everyone in Israel knew that Bethlehem was known for their sacrificial lambs. The place where these special lambs were raised was in a place called the Tower of the Flock. The actual name of, for this tower was Migdal Eder on the outskirts of Bethlehem. Sacrificial lambs were raised in this area around Jerusalem. In ancient days, Migdal Eder was a military tower created to stand on the edge of Bethlehem defending the city. This watchtower was used by the shepherds 
for protection from their enemies and wild animals. In this shelter building, the priests would bring in the ewes which were about to give birth to the lambs for protection. These special lambs came from a unique flock that was designed for sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. This watchtower was not for ordinary lambs, but for lambs prepared for temple sacrifices. And just to jump in here, if you go look in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system is a lamb without blemish, without spot, not damaged in any way. Twice a day, these lambs were sacrificed. You do the math, 700-something lambs. I mean, this was an intense process, but these lambs had to come from somewhere, and a lot, this is where they came from. So now all of a sudden, Bethlehem is even more important. Micah 4.8 prophesied about this special place where the Savior would be born. As for you, O tower, in other words, Migdal, of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. Even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. It would be the Migdal Adar where the arrival of the Messiah would be declared first, the tower of the flock, the place where sacrificial lambs are raised. So now listen. The shepherds, quote, keeping watch over their flock were the shepherds of Migdal Adar. They were not ordinary shepherds but served the sacrificial system that foreshadowed the new covenant. They risked their lives to protect the sheep. And remember where David came from, Bethlehem. And he was out there protecting sheep and stories about that in the scriptures. The shepherds examined each lamb, choosing only the perfect firstborn males to bring to Jerusalem. There the lambs were purchased by those who desired to make atonement for their sins. On the same mountain where Abraham had offered his son to the Lord, The lambs would shed their blood and lose their lives as that atonement. The shepherds were trained in the requirements for an animal that would be sacrificed. It was their job to make sure that none of the animals were hurt, damaged, or blemished. During lambing season, the sheep were brought to the tower from the fields as the lower level functioned as the birthing room for the sacrificial lambs. Being themselves under special rabbinical care, these priests would strictly maintain a ceremonial clean birthing place. The manger in the tower of the flock was actually the stall where animals were kept, not a smelly stable where the other animals, as we envision. After the lambs were born, the priestly shepherds would place the lambs in the hewn depression of a limestone rock known as the manger and wrap the newborn lambs in swaddling clothes preventing them from thrashing about and harming themselves until they had calmed down so they could be inspected to meet the requirements of being without spot or blemish. Now, go to Luke chapter 2. Now, having read you that information, now read the story with me and what happened. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Now it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And just parenthetically here you say, well, what difference, if Joseph is not the father of Jesus, what difference does it make anything about him? She was engaged to the right man because he was the one gonna get them to Bethlehem. She would not have ended up in Bethlehem. He's of the house and lineage of David. And she would have gone with him, which is what happened. 
to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So you say, well, wow, that's terrible. There was no room for them in the inn. Now listen very closely. Sometimes what seems like an inconvenience, and we'll use the word inconvenience, is really the providence of God to have the mother in exactly the right place where the child would be laid not in some room in an inn, but in a manger so that when the shepherds heard, they would immediately know it's him. It's him. So you say, well, why has God done this to me, allowed this to happen to me? Why is my life not working out like I thought? Sometimes it has nothing to do with you or what you've done. It has to do with him and what he's trying to do. You say, well, this isn't fun. This is inconvenient. This is suffering. This is not nice. This isn't what I signed up for. You signed up for him, and when you signed up for him, that means whenever, wherever, it's him. And you don't see any complaining in the scriptures from Mary, Joseph, anybody. We're here. This is what we got, and we're going to go with it. And I've kind of referred to this along the way recently, but let me just put this in here again. What did Mary know for sure? She knew she was pregnant, and she knew who she was pregnant with. She's literally carrying around the Son of God inside of her body. So how can it not be okay? Now listen to me. That's the same thing if you're a Christian. You're literally carrying around the Son of God in your body. How can everything not be okay? If you've been born again, then he lives in you. And if he lives in you, then is there anything greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world, clearly? So what could happen? What could come against you that's bigger than who's in you? You say, well, I'm sick. He's bigger than sickness. You say, I'm broke. He's bigger than brokenness. He's bigger than anything you face or that you fear. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Anointed One, the Messiah. And this will be the sign. Now look at this. Why would shepherds need a sign from God? And what kind of sign would make sense to them? And the sign was what? You will find a babe, not a sheep. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. What did that mean just like that to them? It's him. And you say, well, how long did they have to go looking for him? That's the manger. They knew what that meant. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the thing which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marvel at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. What had they seen? Not another lamb that would be intended to go to Jerusalem for sacrifice. Not an animal, but a person, the Messiah. Finally, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world 
was in that manger, wrapped up to protect him because he would be delivered for our trespasses. Now go to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse 28. And this is jumping forward pretty fast, but now you have this Lamb of God nailed to a cross, not at the temple, outside the gates, outside the city, on a cross, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It's a wrap. We're done here. What I came to do, I have accomplished. And you say, but it wasn't finished. His job was finished. You say, well, what about him being raised from the dead? That's the father's job. Luke 23. So there are people in the Bible, and I know I've also shared this before, but I've got a group of Josephs I want to meet when I get to heaven because God used these Josephs in extraordinary ways. And uh, this one in Luke 23, verse 50 says, Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man, He had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. So that's who he is. This is a tremendous man, a council member, a good and just man. And look at the distinction. He had not consented to their decision and deed. In other words, he was not voting for Jesus to be crucified, to turn him over. He was not against Jesus. And sometimes people say, well, all the Jews were against Jesus. It's not true. Nicodemus, Joseph, there were plenty of people who followed Jesus and God revealed to them, this is it. He's the one. You don't have to wait for another. He's the one. And he was waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, just that verse alone, verse 52 This may not apply to everybody in the room or listening beyond here, but some people are in a position of authority and can intercede on behalf of someone else, even someone else who's dead. And you have to be aware that you have influence. And when you hear of a need, someone who cannot fend for themselves, a widow, an orphan, someone, and you say, God, I have have funds, I have relationships, I have authority, I have influence. The Holy Spirit may prompt you to intervene in a situation where otherwise someone cannot, they cannot do it by themselves. And God uses people like Joseph of Arimathea to get his work done. And I guarantee you without him, you don't get Jesus off the cross in a tomb and in the tomb that he was placed in. So he went to Pilate, asked for the body of Jesus. Verse 53, then he took it down And this is what's so extraordinary to me, that Jesus' life begins and ends the same way. He comes out of the womb and is wrapped up, and he comes off of a cross, and he's wrapped up. He took the body down, wrapped it in linen, laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near, And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. 
And don't forget that all this is going down during Passover. He, as it turns out, is the Passover lamb. And if you go back and read in the Old Testament, when God's people exited Egypt, a lamb was killed and they ate all of that lamb. And the blood of that lamb was put on the doorposts of that home. And when the angel came through and the firstborn died, you would be unaffected by that if that blood was on the doorpost of your home. Now, this is as simple as I can say this to you. Without his blood on the doorpost of your life, you won't make it. You won't make it. And as great as Christmas is, the reason for Christmas, the reason for the season is what happened at Easter, what happened during the Passover. And the Messiah is crucified, dies, so that his blood being shed once and for all can be applied to our lives and then death can't touch us. You say, well, people die physically. I will not die. My body may die, but I will never die. The me that's me will never die. So I'm not crazy about dying a terrible, some kind of physical, torturous, painful death. But even if that's how it goes down, the me that is me that is him will live forever. And that is a tremendous thing to have nailed down. But the only way you get it nailed down is for him to have been nailed down. Go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, and let's start in verse 1. So I started in Genesis, and we'll end up in Revelation, and this is how it ends and what we have to look forward to. Revelation 21.1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. It's a wrap. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually moral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I mentioned that song that Tiffany sang, wrap this one up, is the, uh, it's by Christy Nichols. Listen to just a few lines of this. Oh, the call of a shepherd in a field nearby to tend and to carry his flocks by night. They were not ordinary sheep. They were set apart, born to be Passover lambs. And when a spotless male was born, he was held on the manger floor, swaddled up just to keep him calm until his time. And the shepherd sang, wrap this one up. He's a lamb without blemish. Wrap this one up. He'll make his way to the temple. Born for sacrifice, he'll join the others and pay the price. Wrap this one up. Wrap this one up. Oh, the call of a mother in a town nearby 
to tend and to carry on this holy night, not an ordinary child, but the Son of God, breathed by the Holy Spirit. And when the baby king was born, he was held on the manger floor. As she swaddled him up, she knew his time would come as she sang, wrap this one up. He is the one that we adore. Wrap this one up. He'll wear the crown forevermore. He's come for you and me. He'll finally set us free. Wrap this one up. Wrap this one up. He's the one. And our Father, we are tremendously limited with vocabulary and human expression to make known our gratitude, Lord. And we get it enough to get it, but we don't get it completely. What the cost, the tremendous price that was paid in your willingness to send your only son and his willingness to come and be that lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. So Father, first of all today, I pray for anyone in this room or beyond this place that for whatever reason to this point, they have not been able to grasp or not been willing to grasp who you are and that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And I pray that today could be their day, no matter what their background, no matter what their belief or unbelief, that somehow you could give them faith to see and to hear and their heart be opened and softened and just reveal, as you did to so many while you were here, reveal yourself. And as you have done since then, even today, help someone understand personally that you came and you lived and you died and were buried and raised from the dead for them personally to pay for their sin once and for all and that an eternal life with you is possible, abundant life is possible between here and heaven and it's all made possible because of what Jesus did and who he is. So may someone today, Lord, just a simple prayer, God, I see now what you're up to I am a sinner. I cannot make it go away. I can't forgive myself. I can't fix this. It's against you and you only that I've sinned ultimately. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead to pay for my sin and that you offer me the forgiveness of my sins and this gift of eternal life free of charge. So I accept as a gift the forgiveness of my sins, eternal life, I ask you to come live in me in the person of the Holy Spirit and fill me from the inside out. Change me. Change my life. Change my future. Change my forever. Thank you for being patient with me and giving me the faith to see and to receive, to believe personally. And Father, for those of us who do know you and are unaware that we literally carry this same Jesus around in our physical bodies, spiritually, you live in and through us and that there is so much more than just having some kind of ticket to heaven, but that you desire to use our lives to make a difference and to have tremendous impact wherever it be, whatever our station in life, whatever our influence or what we think is lack thereof, anybody plus Jesus is bigger than anything. So Father, thank you for confirming that you live in us and for the opportunities you give us, Lord, to live through us along the way, prompting us, giving us situations where we know it's you and to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within us. You're the best. 
And I thank you for lives that have been changed and will continue to be changed by this simple story. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. This program has always been about not only providing daily encouragement, but also daily challenge to help us grow in our faith, to continue being shaped into the person God desires us to be as His hands, feet, and voice to our hurting world. You know, not only is that the mission of the Richard Ellis Talks program, it's also the great commission of Pastor Richard himself to clearly share the simple message of the gospel in a way that leads people to Jesus, to reach everyone together. So these 25 talks of Christmas this month is a creative way for you to reach a friend with some encouraging teaching. We've made it real easy for you to do just that from the website richardellistalks.com. You'll see the Christmas Talks Advent Calendar, where every holiday-themed talk can be listened to, downloaded, or shared right from each day's door. The website is richardellistalks.com. So before we part ways for today, I'll remind you that you can automatically receive a direct text on your phone each and every morning that will link you to the most recent Christmas talk on the website Advent Calendar. Simply text the word Richard to our toll-free phone number, 855-6-RICHARD. That's the word Richard to 855-6-RICHARD. All this month, it's some Christmas words of hope, insight, and encouragement during the holiday season, when perhaps we need to hear the message of Emmanuel above the rest of the seasonal noise. So to automatically receive the daily link, text RICHARD to 855-6-RICHARD you'll have these 25 talks of Christmas whenever and wherever you're ready to listen. So until we get together for the next Christmas talk, thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.